Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Hey, 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 this is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star Trustee Edition on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star Trustee Edition is a special segment where we are showcasing the members of our LCC Board of Trustees. You're getting the inside look where you will be able to learn more about their passions, project, and what inspires them to serve on the board. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. On these special editions, I will have special guest hosts to help me. Are you ready to learn more about who our special guest host is? Drumroll. Okay, I'm super nervous, okay? I want you all to know this because our special guest is nobody but Dr. Robinson, the president of LCC. So can we give him an applause? (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you here, Dr. Robinson. I'm excited, too, and you shouldn't be nervous because, you know, we did this before. Uh, you know, a couple months into me being here at LCC, you and I went on TV together. Yeah, but you, you know, you have this down to a science, and I'm still learning, and so I appreciate you. Well, we're all still learning, but I don't mind telling your listeners that um, I'm not supposed to have a favorite LCC <laughs> Connect show, but I do. This is my favorite because I love learning about our colleagues, yes. and I love the way you do the show. And I'm excited about uh, Trustee Edition. So uh, let's get into the Trustee Edition, and you and I are going to learn about one of our amazing trustees. Who, who's our trustee today? Well, I'm really excited, Lisa, because our first trustee is Trustee Samantha Vave, and we're going to hear from her in a little bit. Trustee Vave was elected to the board in November of 2018, and this uh, Trustee Edition actually came out of a conversation that she and I had. She likes what we're doing with LCC Connect. And she thought that a podcast or a radio program would be a great way to introduce uh, trustees to our community. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have just the idea. We got the best show for you to come on. And so you're our very first guest, Trustee Vave. Welcome for being here. Thanks. I'm, um, I'm really excited to be here. And I'm excited that it says right here on this piece of paper in front of me that I was elected in 2018 because this morning I was trying to remember <laughs> what year I was elected. And all I had for you was I was elected the same election that recreational cannabis passed. And I know that because I was at a viewing party mm-hmm. and I used to go to a lot of viewing parties when I was more active in mm-hmm. politics. Although mm-hmm. there's always this like do you go? Do you not go? Because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And right. It's really, really nerve wracking. But it was my viewing party. So I had to go. And uh, my best friend shows up and he has a bottle of champagne. And he walked in and I said, that's so nice. You brought this bottle of champagne for if I win. And he looks at it. And he looks at me and he goes, 
oh, no, this isn't for you. This is for when recreational cannabis <laughs> Well, it could have been for you, too, right. hopefully. You can be added on to this yeah. event. but That's right. So, and, you know, uh, well, I'm glad that the number, the date is there. That's just our awesome LCC Connect staff being prepared. But we're so glad to have you here. And I don't know if you had a chance to see Lisa Alexander around. In addition to being uh, the host of Who's That Star? She's one of our amazing employees here at LCC. And we're have a great conversation and so glad you're here. I'm really excited to meet you. Talk I'm excited about- to meet you too because I've always wondered what a trustee does. You know, I try to run away from the trustees kind of so. I've seen you. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, we're joking. And so, I mean, it's just you you have so many things that you do and I don't necessarily understand everything so I'm excited to learn more about it. I don't know if we all necessarily understand it completely so don't feel too bad. <laughs> all right. Let's do a great job. So we have some questions for you and we're going to keep it really uh, natural and conversational and Lisa why don't you start off with the questions. You've got the first question for twist. All right Bay. Dr. Robinson. So what's your favorite part about being a trustee at LCC? I was gonna I was gonna make some fun joke about like the cookies that we get upstairs <laughs> before, but it's I would say it's twofold. The first part is sort of the the reason that I decided to do this in the first place, and it's that I care about helping people. I want to make things better. I'm not from Michigan mm-hmm. and I never really planned on staying in Michigan, but I I'm still here. Um, we trap you. I just want you to know that we trap you. Michigan will grab you. It, it will. really, really yeah. does. And um, I like I'm a little bit like, don't let the secret get out about how great Michigan is. Right. Um, but I am. It's I've lived in a lot of places in a year or so. Lansing will be the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Really? Um, That's very yeah. cool. And I felt like this community really did a lot for me particularly at a hard time in my life. And I I wanted to do something to give back to the place that had given so much to me. And I am really passionate about education and specifically higher education. Mm-hmm. I went to an early college. I dropped out of high school because it was not an appropriate environment for me. Um, I, I wonder a lot what my life would be like if I had tried to stay in high school. And I just don't know. But so... Higher education has always been really important to me. I think it's a place where people can really step out and into themselves because everything before this, unless you get to go to like a specialized arts high school or, you know, you get enrolled in a STEM program or a STEAM program, um, you know, it's very much this sort of education can be toe the line and learn the skills to participate in society, but not really to figure out who you are. So when I was asked to consider running for the board of trustees, you know, the person kind of needled at me like, aren't you really passionate about higher education? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I, I am. I'm, education's really important to me. And I think community colleges are so important because they're not just education. They are a staple in the community. They're a part of the community. Dr. Robinson and I talk about this all the time. There's so much more to offer than certificate programs or two-year degree. We're an integral part of, of the community and providing resources to the community at any age, no matter what age you are, there should be something for you at a community college. So, 
that was the first part is I like that I'm doing something to help the community. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect, maybe I should have, but I didn't expect until I was in the role was I get to meet the coolest people. Yes. I mean, everyone here is just, the employees here are so great. They're so passionate about things. And and when you get the opportunity, because we don't get a lot of opportunity. You know, we kind of are sort of locked away on the, the third floor or behind a <laughs> dais, you know, we try to be accessible, mm-hmm. but we get these little moments where people run up to say something before or after a meeting. But then over time you grow to meet people. And then before you know it, you know, Kevin and I are talking about our experiences living in Oahu, eating shaved ice at a <laughs> faculty kickoff oh, you're event. You're talking about Kevin Fowler, yeah. a photographer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. great. I ran into a, a different employee at a Strange Matter the other day, and I got to meet his partner, and we talked about books and and bike riding. And it's just, it's nice, because LCC is a, a large employer in this community. It is. And, um, it's nice to be out and about in the community and go, oh, I recognize that face. Like, now's an opportunity where I can learn more about another person that shares this space with me. That was a great question, Lisa. And, you know, Trustee Vave, you've talked about to me about your your background in, in higher education, where you went to college. And it's been really cool to see you um, kind of dive in and, and be so passionate and interested about community colleges. That's a great segue to this. The next question we have, Lisa. All right. Is, um, you know, so you've you've talked about what you've kind of learned and seen since 2018 when you joined the board. But I'm interested in what was your impression about LCC before you became a trustee? You must have had some mental picture of what the college was like before you ran. Then you then you win and you're elected. Um, what did it, what did it, what was your view beforehand? Can I pass? Oh. <laughs> no, uh, you, I mean you can if you like. No, but. no. Uh, you know, I have never run a college before. Um, That's I've, fair. <laughs> I've chaired a couple of caucus meetings, and that in and of itself is a difficult endeavor. So uh-huh. I can't imagine what it is like to do this job. But I was asked to run because there were concerns about LCC. And so I really sort of came in with that perspective of things are not great. Things need to be adjusted to become better. And it can be kind of sad when you approach something with a an idea like that already mm-hmm. in your mind. But right. uh, but actually not very uncommon across the country, right? And but that's why we have an elected board is you know people are being, you know, responsive to things that are going on, but so so you're running what what did you think about it though? Um, and what, from your own perspective. I mean, I I thought it was almost hidden. Hmm. I knew some people who went here, my husband had gone here mm-hmm. um twice actually. Okay. And I and I had friends that had come in and out of being here class or two. But from my experience as someone who didn't grow up here, it was just kind of like this thing that happened to be in the middle of town. And, you know, maybe you went there if you weren't ready to go to MSU. It was a pretty narrow perspective. And while some of the students that I talked to had, had really great things to say Mm -hmm. about being here, um, Derek, my husband included, 
um, you know, still to this day talks about the poetry teacher that he had um, while cool. he was here. So I knew there was a lot of value here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I wanted to see that value become more accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in, in my career working with trustees, that's not an uncommon story to not to have kind of a, a surface or, or small uh, picture of what the college is like. And then through your trusteeship, get this huge uh, appreciation. In my former college, we had a bunch of trustees who and they were appointed, not elected. But the going to the community college was kind of their consolation prize. They really wanted to be appointed to a u, uh, university board. But when they got to the community college, they got so excited. They said, "This there's so many cool things happening. And I see you doing that. When, when we bring things to you and you see what our employees are up to, what our faculty and staff are doing, I see that excitement. So it must look different now that you're a trustee. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting when you said consolation prize, because I don't at all think about this as a consolation prize right. and and you said university board which is I thought you were going to say city council or state rep and I think about that a lot because here I'm one voice among seven mm -hmm. and sometimes that feels very small mm. but it's a good percentage versus if you look at like someone who's a state rep who's one member in a party that is maybe 50% of the makeup and the ability to affect change feels so much smaller in other places. But here, the ability to, to affect change feels real. One of the questions that was on the list that um, Lane had sent me, you know, said, what do you think your legacy will be at LCC? And my first initial maybe self-deprecating thought was, oh, I'm not going to have one of those. And then I thought, that's not True. I mean, we no. have you make an impact. <laughs> we have menstrual products in the bathroom. Right. That is huge. That impacts well, and that's something people. that you brought to the trustee. That happened before I came, but that's but that's that's one thing you brought to the table. It was something that was really important to me mm -hmm. because I know it impacts people. A it basic need. It's you a know? basic need, and it's sort of this. You know, sometimes things can be so entrenched in the patriarchy, we can't even see that they're that. And it's like the fact that this is something that we wouldn't automatically just supply the same way we supply toilet paper or paper towels or soap in the bathroom is mind boggling when you really start to like dig into the issue. See, I, I, I like that you're MSW, right? See, that's <laughs> where that comes from, right? That social work thinking, that looking at what people are needing to be successful. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have basic needs, it, it makes it hard. You know, Absolutely. you're nervous or scared or oh, what if this happens? Right. And so to me, that forethought is that's just great. Right. Right. Because you don't know what people don't have or need. Right. And and that's a good thing. Right. That you did. And Thank so you. I want to get can can I give you <laughs> the applause for that, please? Thank I love you. this show. <laughs> you make this show so fun. I mean, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's one thing we talk about students missing class, right, mm -hmm. because they don't have access to menstrual products. But, you know, you also think about the student who is not focused on the test that they're taking because they're worried they're going to bleed through right. onto their chair. And then now they're getting a failing grade because they're focused on something else that was so easy to rectify. Exactly. Um, so that I'm just I'm excited about that. I'm excited that other colleges are doing it now, too. I had the incredible opportunity to present about it at ACCT, at a national conference, and I think 30 
colleges asked for my PowerPoint presentation wow. afterwards to bring it back. That's cool. It is. And now you talk about impact, but look. You talked about, oh, I'm not going to make an impact, but now 30 other colleges is looking at the things that you've done. Right. Yeah. No, so. she she and her, and her colleagues presented on this at our at a conference in San Diego, and it, there, it was very well attended. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. I love I love public speaking. <laughs> well, I want to ask you another question yeah. um, to piggyback off what Dr. Robinson said. So someone asked you to run for the board, right? Yes. Because they had heard whatever they heard or mm -hmm. thought whatever they thought. But now that you're in the position and you've been in here for what, like um, going on five years? Four years, yeah. Four, so right? yeah. what do you do now when you meet people in the community? Like, what do you tell them about LCC now that you've been in here so long? What do you know? I tell them that Dr. Robinson is amazing. Yes. Oh, yes, he oh, is. Oh, thank you. Um, I tell Hopefully you tell them a lot more than that. Because <laughs> well, you know, it's usually the first question I'm asked. What's the new president like? What's it like now? And I can honestly say everyone is really happy with Dr. Robinson, oh, thank you. Um, which has been really nice. I guess maybe if I got to put like another legacy feather in my cap, I would be happy to take a small part in the fact that we have Dr. Robinson. Oh, here. Yeah, that so you guys funny. were the ones that hired him. So, yeah, yeah and we're happy kind. for that. Yeah. Too. But so your question was, what do I tell people. tell people now in the community? I mean, I tell them that LCC is full of really hardworking, really amazing people. Mm -hmm. That's I so mean, true. The people here are so passionate about our students and about our community and about doing the right thing. And I think in general, you know, not to get too political, but everyone, I think, for the most part believes to some degree that they are trying to do the right thing. Right. And we can get into conflicting ideas of what the right thing is. And that's where where sort of discourse comes in. But I think this community is sort of really united around what I would define as as doing the right thing and and helping get students educated with diverse opportunities and diverse perspectives. So they they are coming here and leaving here with a broader vision of the world and of themselves and so that they can go out into the world confident and compassionate and excited about the future. Lisa, cool. you're such a good interviewer because you got great answers out of <laughs> Trustee Vave. The, um, the, the stuff about our employees, I'm so happy to hear you say that because this place runs on amazing people mm -hmm. who do have that passion that you talked about. And, you know, before I ask the next question, I, and, you know, Trustee Vave's heard me say this, but I just want to thank you for your service to LCC. When you think about the 1,100 community colleges across our country they they run on volunteer trustees who see they don't get paid. They no. do not. Oh wow! Yeah. I thought that you guys no. got paid for that. No, we don't get paid. We don't get health insurance either. Wow! <laughs> so this is really truly doing this for the love of higher education and oh, helping yeah. the community. It's public service, and yes. so when you think about it and do the math problem, you know, we've got seven trustees, but you know I've got a, a very good friend who's community college president has nineteen trustees. Wow. Just do, do the math. You got thousands and thousands of Americans volunteering to power our wonderful community colleges. And the most rewarding thing I heard you say was giving credit to our amazing people, mm -hmm. our faculty, mm -hmm. our staff, 
who really make this place super special. So um, I want to ask a little more about your education. You talked about being an early college student. You and I have talked a lot about your um, your your background in higher education. Lisa mentioned you're a social worker. You mm-hmm. have an MSW. But I know that you had a really interesting and I would say unique undergrad experience at Simon's Rock. Can I you did. talk can you talk a little bit about your own education oh, background? I could talk for years about Simon's Rock, but um Yeah, tell us a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, so you're gonna get the whole story because you asked about my whole education background. Sure. So I I grew up an hour north of San Francisco and I went to a place called Stewart School, which was more or less a commune school right in the middle of the city where people's parents could teach classes to sort of offset the cost of going there. My mom taught art sometimes. My dad taught after school guitar lessons and also magic. Wow. The tricks, not the gathering. Um, (laughs) And uh, it was pre-K through eighth grade, 64 kids. And it was a very diverse experience. My sort of cohort, because we, you know, moved together even though the classes were blended or whatever, was myself, a boy who was the second youngest kid in a Mormon family with six kids, a first-generation immigrant from Japan whose parents didn't speak English, and a boy who's mother had recently decided to come out as a lesbian. We had uh, interracial gay couples adopting kids from Africa. We had kids with parents who had known HIV infections. It was just this very diverse place, but I didn't know that. I thought this was everyone's experience. Right, and this is your high school experience. No, No, this was pre-K through sixth grade. Oh, okay, pre-K through... Yeah, so this was... um, I just thought this was the way the yeah, world was. Yeah, that set was. a different foundation, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, this was the world I thought everyone lived in, where mm-hmm. everyone was accepted for who they were, and kids wore clothes that was not typical of their assigned gender, and kids did, you know, it was just a very welcoming place where mm-hmm. everyone was required to play the violin. Um, wow. And then... I got moved to a small farming village in New Hampshire, Stratum, New Hampshire, right when I was entering middle school, where I suddenly became aware of the fact that I was the only Jewish person in a very Christian town, which Mm -hmm. was something that had never even really crossed my mind before, because everyone was just whatever they were, and Mm -hmm. there wasn't this sort of in-group, out-group thing. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very different. There was a way to be and a way to act, and everyone sort of tried to scramble to fill those roles. And around this time, I became aware that I was very, uh, was really struggling with dyslexia and also dyscalculia. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm still really struggle with numbers to this day. And that's when school started to become a little bit difficult for me. Mm. And it was very frustrating because my teachers would tell me, you're very bright, but the grades aren't there. Hmm. At the time, the high school in the area had lost its accreditation because it was going through a massive construction project and the class sizes were too, like they had too many kids in a physical classroom. 
And so there was this weird sort of panic of what were we doing with all of these kids that were going into the high school. I also lived in the town where Phillips of Exeter, a very famous private school was. So it was this, right. Yeah, that's very famous. This sort of divide of the kids who could go to Phillips of Exeter and the kids who were going to get lumped into this high school that maybe wouldn't end up with high school degrees. And then I was sort of in the middle uh-huh. where I didn't get into Phillips of Exeter which was like a, I mean, it's a hard rejection to take mm. when you're, what are you, 13? Yeah. Right? Everybody's supposed to be, you're yeah. supposed to be there. So, yeah. yeah. And um, so I got sent to a different boarding school in Massachusetts. It was very difficult. It was. You went to a boarding school. A boarding school. From when you were Miss O'Free and yeah. everybody. And then <laughs> oh, you had to yeah. go to this Skype. Quite a, quite a ch- uh, culture shock, <laughs> yeah, right? Culture shock. <laughs> it really, really was. And I'm grateful to have found the theater department in the way that I did. Okay. And I guess because of my aptitude for, for acting was as a freshman sort of shuffled into the advanced acting program, which got me a lot of freedoms. I was allowed to get out of required sports to do extra plays so rather than doing two sports a year I only had to do one and in that other one I did rock climbing so I was able to find these little sort of like outcast niches to get a little bit of self-expression but it was still it was you know getting up at 5 30 in the morning and there you get a 10 minute shower and then you have to be out of the bathroom and it's 6 45 you're sitting in an ancient history class trying not to fall asleep at this round table Mm. you know and the expectations they just didn't fit with who I was or how I learned Mm -hmm. and I was really fortunate that Simon's Rock was one town over and I knew a day student who applied and I just, I'm sorry, I just never heard of Simon Rock before. Like, where? That's- so, Simon's Rock is um, a very small school in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. And it, are you familiar with, like, the Bill Gates high schools? Yeah. I, yeah. They're modeled after Simon's Rock. Oh, he used okay. to come to our school all the time and walk around and ask questions. And wow, everything. Yeah, everything he did, he learned at Simon's Rock. Wow. Um, I'm going to go look Simon's Rock up, I'm telling you, oh, as soon as yeah, I get there's a There is wonderful. a great website with a lot of history. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I looked at it. So Simon's Rock actually started as an all-girls school, and it was made to give girls opportunities that they weren't otherwise given in higher education. But the idea was that if you are in the traditional system, you spend all of your junior year trying to get into college and all of your senior year coasting because you already did. Mm. And I don't actually know if that's the experience because I didn't have it. But, um, But so they said kids at this age, a lot of kids, some kids, many kids at this age are capable of doing more. They're ready for what's next. They just need the place to do it. And so they take kids after their sophomore or junior year. You cannot go if you have a high school diploma. Mm. Now they're sort of expanding and there's BSEC and there's these dual enrollment programs and mm-hmm. there's all these other more complicated things that didn't exist when I was there. When I was there, you were 15, 16, 17 in college. Um, they actually... I say early college because it's a term that people understand, but they fought really hard against that. And it's very like, we are not an early college. Uh, we are a college. Right. We have the same academics and certifications as everyone else. And actually, for 15 years now, maybe longer, we beat out Princeton, Harvard, Yale, and the Princeton Review every year for mm-hmm. academic rigor, which happens in a school that small. I mean, you're tied. The largest class I ever took was 
22 kids and that class it was like a big deal there were all these exceptions too many kids signed up for it so it was a we like were functioning outside the rules having 22 kids the smallest class I ever took was two students and it wasn't uncommon when you were in your upper years to just have one-on-one with a professor oh that's fortunate yeah it is it's fantastic I mean I had my professor's house phone numbers not a lot of people had cell phones, you know, if they did. And we would talk in the summers, on the weekends. I mean, you were. I'm sorry, did you get through college quicker? Uh, it's still four years, but okay. I started at 16. So I graduated at 19. So you, oh, wow. Yeah. With a bachelor's? Or yeah. You, yeah. Wow, that's 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 amazing. It is. It you, is. You actually get two because we're owned by Bard College. So you get a bachelor's from Simon's Rock and a bachelor's from Bard. Wow. Yeah. And where did you do your MSW? University of Denver. Oh, you are a traveler. Yeah. So it was two years there doing that, which was also kind of a fluke. I had, so at Simon's Rock, after two years, most students leave and go somewhere else. You get your AA, they give you a graduation because it's when you would be graduating high school and the parents really care. Right. Um, So you get your AA Mm -hmm. and then a lot of people go. We have a very high percentage of what we call RAs or readmits, which are people who go out And come back. I had friends who went to Harvard and they were like, this is a party school. I want to go back to where the academics count. Wow. And came back to Simon's Rock. Um, But so then if you stay, you do this thing called moderating. where You sit in a room with your advisor and all of the faculty for your department, which may be two people because I, you know, moderated into psychology is two people. And they say, here are all of the things that are basically your shortcomings that we've noticed in the past two years. Mm. If we let you stay, how are you going to rectify these? How are you going to really utilize this time if we give you the opportunity to stay? And you sit in that room and you say, well, this is, you know, this is what I would do. And you'll have a professor say, you know, I will advocate that I will help them do this or help them do that or we'll get them these services. And then if you stay, you write a senior thesis Mm. and you spend your entire senior year, you know, in your junior year, you do your whole proposal and then you spend your senior year doing it. And it is an undertaking. I was mocked so hard because my thesis was only 97 pages long. Only 97. Yeah. (laughs) And I presented that thesis at the New England Psychological Association's annual conference. And at the time, I don't know about now, but at the time I was the youngest person to ever present a paper of their own work. I mean, I'm just amazed. That's why I was saying like you start at 16 and you get your bachelor's at 19. Yeah. And then did you go right and and I know um I could talk to you all day, right? Because <laughs> but I can only talk so long because yeah. we only got so much time. Right. But I just this is my I wanna ask you one more question yeah. and then let you close out with okay. what you like for the audience to know. Oh yeah, sorry. But um no, I'm I'm just saying, like, I feel you. We are kindred spirits here <laughs> Indeed. because Indeed. I would have a two hour podcast if they let me, right? <laughs> but um when it's all said and done, right, you had this vast educational experience. What did you take from that that's going to help you work with the board? Oh, that's a great question and not the question I thought you were going to ask. So I was already formulating a different <laughs> answer. So Simon's Rock has these founding principles. And one of them is that we are all equals in the pursuit of higher learning. Everyone is an expert compared to everyone else at something. 
Maybe that's Neil Gaiman Sandman comics. Doesn't matter. You still get to be the expert in the room. Right. And so there's a level of respect that these these published professors would look at these 16-year-old kids and say, you and I, we are equals. You're going to call me by my first name. I'm going to defer to you. We would sit at round tables. We didn't have professors. We had discussion facilitators. Hmm. It was their job to guide us if we got stuck, but we were responsible for the learning. And we there was a lot of peer pressure to come prepared to class because Otherwise, you were wasting everyone's time. We were here for a reason. We wanted to learn. We wanted to know. Mm. And that sort of respect and equality is something that I've carried with me my whole life to look at anybody and say, you are the most valuable person at something. Mm-hmm. I think that can shape your whole perspective of the world, right? You know, we talk it's about... It's empowerment. It's empowerment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's empowerment. So, I mean, I think that's cool. It is. I'm very fortunate. I yeah. do, too. And I'm so impressed. Lisa, you, you're such a good interviewer. You got <laughs> you got a great story, and we really got to connect with Trustee Vader. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad that I, I got to learn about you. I'm glad that you suggested doing this because I think people, they have a different idea, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you guys aren't real. Yeah. Like, you're real, but you're not, like, I hear you. people that we can have access to. And right. this just gives an opportunity so that people can know, oh, these are real people. And yeah. they're making a commitment to do this with not getting something back in return. And so I appreciate that, and I thank you for that. Thanks. Can I can I end cap that a little bit? So, end cap it. So I'm a real person. I have a dog and two cats. One's a kitten that I've only had for a couple of weeks. They Aww. are all named after Big Trouble and Little China characters <laughs> okay. because my husband is a huge John Carpenter fan. I'm a potter. I like to hike. My husband and I just went on a hiking trip. I am an avid baker. Oh. I like to write. I like to read. And I uh, do beadwork as well. So... Oh. That's wonderful. And I, I'm I'm going to follow up on that avid baking yeah. uh, later. It sounds delicious. Dr. Robinson, I want you to sum it up. Thank you. I think I can. I have so enjoyed this conversation. First of all, Trustee Babe, isn't, isn't Lisa great? At She's this? so great. So this is a great show. And I appreciate with Lisa your idea of kind of humanizing the trustees. And so I really, really appreciate it. It's been great to explore uh, your background, what led you to serve on the board. Lisa and I are super happy that you joined us on the show. And uh, f- with everybody listening, I just want to let everyone know how much the folks at the college appreciate your service, the other trustees' service. Mm-hmm. You put a lot of time into this college, and we very much appreciate it. So, Lisa, what do you think? We ought to continue this and do it do it again, right? Yeah, we're going to... See who else we can get on the show. Oh, that's right. That's if, right. Well, if you get no one else, I'll just come back. Six oh, yeah. More times. We can come back and we can just do uh, a couple more we'll segments with you. Who's that star? Trustee Vade edition. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's right. Well, I do want to thank you, Trustee Vay, for joining us. And Dr. Robinson, this was fun. And hopefully we can do it again. I'd love to come and, back anytime. Um, I'm just excited and I'm thankful. This is probably one of our longest show, but it's also one of our shows that you get a lot of information out of. And so I want you guys to stay tuned to the next edition for Trustees of the Board, and we'll see who we'll have next. You've been listening to Who's That Star? 
I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. Hi, my name is Bob. So I see this ad on TV. It says I can reduce my debt by 50%. So I call. They told me to stop paying my bills, stop talking to my creditors. It didn't seem right, but they said they'd take care of everything. I gave them thousands of dollars, but most of it went to their fees. Getting out of debt is neither quick nor easy. There are those who will tell you anything just to win your trust. It sounded perfect. I did everything they told me to do. They never paid my creditors. They didn't even contact them. Turns out I'm even more in debt because the fees and the interest on my cards kept piling up. Bad advice from so-called experts can make your financial situation worse. And the bank turned me down for a mortgage. And that's when I realized my credit was shot. I should have gone straight to my creditors to begin with. There is a better way to get help. Talk to your creditors directly or to find a nonprofit agency near you. Visit DebtAdvice.org. DebtAdvice.org. Real solutions for real people. This has been a public service message. Hi, I'm Melissa Kaplan, and I host a show called Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. It's all about the creativity in our classrooms and on campus here at LCC and the connections we have with the community. You can catch Galaxy Forum here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. The University Center at Lansing Community College collaborates with five four-year universities to provide easy transfer pathways for more than 30 bachelor's degrees programs. Visit lcc.edu uc to learn more. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to Start Here, Finish Here, and Everything in Between podcast dedicated to reaching out to students and their families to explain the nuances of transferring credits from LCC to another college or university, and more importantly, demystifying some of the popular beliefs surrounding higher ed. Hello everyone, I am here with Luke Richards, Transfer Specialist for the University Center and Transfer Initiatives Department. Luke is a Lansing native who for the last six plus years has been working in higher education, focusing primarily on transfer, non-traditional students, and creating partnerships that enable students to maximize their college experience. 
Recently, he earned his master's degree in organizational leadership, and as I mentioned before, he is working at LCC as the transfer specialist for the University Center and Transfer Initiatives team, where he helps students maximize their ability to transfer courses and credits from LCC to their desired four-year institution. Luke is also an MSU alumni, where he earned his bachelor's focusing on social sciences, public health, and psychology, and most importantly, he is an LCC graduate. Luke, we're going to jump right in. Welcome to the show. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of the first questions I have is, what is the number one question students ask when reaching out to you? The number one question students ask is, do the classes that I've taken or have completed at the community college transfer to the four-year institution that they want to go to? So, um, or, you know, what classes do I need to take to transfer to my four-year school that I want to go to. And I'm assuming that that's important because all schools are different. So there's no like real cookie cutter menu that you can hand somebody. It's going to be based on what they've taken or what their experiences are. So when someone comes to meet with you, what should they prepare in advance? Yeah, and you're spot on there. Um, So the best thing for students to, to come to me with is an understanding you know, of what program or school they want to pursue. So, you know, whether that be psychology, you know, pre-med, if they're starting at LCC, we want to know what their end goal is so that we can properly develop their plan at the community college. One thing that really helps with that is students bringing their unofficial transcripts. Um, That shows the list of courses that they're going to complete. Questions, it's better for us to have some questions from the student so that we know what important factors for them are going to impact that pathway, like their financial aid situation, again, their program of interest, and then, you know, what school. Some schools have preferred programs like Michigan State where the admissions requirements differ from the broad, um, you know, school of Michigan State. So we we really want to know, you know, as much as possible so that we can properly build that plan for the student to be successful. So one of the big things I feel like in education is paying for education, of course. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that I I feel like there are things students don't consider when they're taking out loans. So what's the advice there? Right. Yeah. School is uh, college in specific is more expensive than it ever has been. So, you know, when we think about loans, it's important to consider, you know, whether the loan is subsidized or unsubsidized, you know, how long you're going to be in school for, um, are there other ways of paying for school, um, in like scholarships or grants? Um, it really all starts with FAFSA. So, you know, that's your first step, the free application for federal student aid. We want to make sure that all students, whether they believe that they're going to qualify or not, you know, start off with, with submitting their FAFSA each year. Um, That helps, you know, schools also that they're considering transferring to um, build their financial aid package prior to them getting there. So sometimes that takes a little bit of time and to ensure the ease of transfer, it's, it's better to have those things completed beforehand rather than last minute. And I think one of the things that maybe people don't realize is there is a cap on that money that you can take from the federal government, whether even if it's a loan and it's not like free money in terms of a Pell. So what happens to students when they come to you and they're like 10,000 away from the cap? What are the alternatives? Yeah, we really got to get savvy with the funds that are left. So a lot of the times when students come to, to me, uh, one of the important questions that I ask is, 
do you know how much you've borrowed if you've taken out student loans? Because you're right, there is an aggregate loan limit, which inhibits them from surpassing a, a certain dollar amount that they're able to borrow from the government. Um, so one way we can offset that cost is through community college courses. You know, LCC, every class that you take um, typically saves you about $1,000 um, if you were to take that same course at a, a four-year public institution. So it's important to consider your options and, and really look at what transferable courses you, you can take at the community college that still apply to the four-year program that you're pursuing. Okay, so it sounds like you kind of need to make that transfer decision early on. Yeah, the earlier the better. What are some things students should consider when planning to transfer to a four-year institution? So there's so many different experiences that a student can have for their four-year degree, more than I ever before, in my opinion. You know, we have the, the ability to have asynchronous courses nowadays, so students can be in the classroom or sitting on their couch at home and still be participating in a live lecture. So, you know, the, the overall experience they're looking for is a big thing to consider. You know, are you a, a huge lecture hall type of student or are you more successful in a more intimate environment with 20, 25 students? There's also a, a big culture shift in going from a two year community college to a four year private or public school. So the classroom sizes can be bigger. They can be smaller. Um, your learning environment might change. The courses might change. It might be more difficult to meet new friends in a larger university. So some of those social factors play a big role in, in what kind of things you should consider when you're planning your transfer. Uh, a lot of the other things come down to the academics. So your studying habits, you know, community college students are primarily taking, you know, general education core classes that transfer into any program. When you get to that four year, those classes are going to be a little bit higher level and they may start to dabble in your specific discipline where the teaching styles might differ. Might differ. So you may have to adjust your study habits and your learning habits to ensure that, you know, you're still walking away from there with good grades and the education that you're investing in. Should students look at career help at these schools and see if they assist with any like job seeking options or process? Absolutely. Those services are, you know, kind of wrapped into your tuition. So the, in my opinion, the whole goal of going to school is so that you better off your ability to have career returns on that investment. So every school that I'm aware of has some sort of career services, career center, um, career advancement, what, whatever it may be. So it's important for students, you know, to utilize those services or else they're going to be on their own and, and kind of at a loss maybe for, you know, what career opportunities might be. I mean, those, those services are there for a reason and the students again are kind of paying for those through their tuition. So absolutely. It's very, very important to, to look at, you know, what kind of career placement each school has and what programs, you know, are doing better than others. When you're looking at this investment, um, you ultimately want to get out what you're putting in. And that's a lot of times those services are available even after you graduate, right? So if you're right. an alum, you're able to call back that school. I don't know if Absolutely. there's a year's cap, like, okay, you've been out 10 years now. What's... Yeah, most of them don't. Most okay. of them are, are lifelong. So, and, and again, a lot of them are free, if not most that I'm aware of. 
Right. I mean, in this day and age, when people are seeking out so many other options for, you know, jobs and careers, I mean, I think that's really important that they know they could go back to their school and say, hey, who's the person that helps me write my resume because these are the 10 jobs I want or whatever. Right. So when is the ideal time to reach out to the four-year destination? The earlier, the better. Um, with programs changing and with higher ed changing, the landscape is moving a little bit faster than I've seen in previous years. And so the earlier that the student can, you know, kind of get a plan together, the better. It'll help ensure that they're they're maximizing transfer opportunities, reducing their overall cost or the initial investment. In my opinion, you know, school has to be a return on the investment. So if you're investing this time and money so that you can earn a lot more throughout your life, you know, you want to do whatever you can to reduce that initial investment cost so you can maximize that return. I think, you know, the earlier you can kind of put together a plan and ensure that the time and the money and the courses that you're investing in up front are going to, you know, transfer to that four-year school, the better. Um, there's also a lot of differing requirements for various programs. So I mentioned MSU, you know, they have their preferred programs or their preferred majors, but those all had different requirements for admissions. So the more nuances you can kind of familiarize yourself with, depending on the school and the program you're going into, the better you can reduce those barriers, those speed bumps, the time. Um, so it really helps to, to kind of make sure that the student is, is investing the time adequately to make sure that their transfer is smooth and, and worthwhile. So really, the bottom line here is that it, the four-year institutions are the final say in what courses are going to be accepted. So in your position here now at LCC, working with transfer students, you're kind of that liaison. You're that buffer that goes between the four-year and the student when a student isn't comfortable about approaching that four-year on their own. So you're there to help and say, hey, this is what they're saying to you, or this is what's going to happen, or or that kind of thing. Could you talk a little bit about that, maybe, how yeah. that works? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this you know, this has been a, a space that I've found myself in for the last six years, You know, kind of being that liaison to the school in the four-year institution and it's allowed me to put myself in the the perspective of both the university and the student Um, and so what that's allowed me to do is kind of find ways um, questions information that's helpful for the student but also helpful for the university in that transfer path space that a lot of students find themselves in at the community college so what I do kind of on a day-to-day basis is not only gather a wealth of information for students, but also take away from each individual situation that I work with uh, on student with students and try to find solutions or or ways that we can start to make changes for those barriers um, that the students are running into, whether that be equivalencies, processes, you know, we're doing a lot for outreach, especially, you know, making sure that the students are aware of, hey, you're four classes away or three credits away from an associate's degree. Let's see what your your transfer destination has on their curriculum to see if we can get you an LCC associates awarded or reverse transfer. You know, that's a, a big thing now is students, if they transfer from LCC and they haven't completed an associate's degree, they actually only need 15 credits from LCC to finish an associate's degree if they've continued credits elsewhere. So, making sure that the students are aware of that and helping with a process to get that in place to where 
you know, if a student has completed a bachelor's degree and they've completed at all 15 credits at LCC, we want them to get an associate's degree. So, you know, it's a little bit of everything, but ultimately we, my role is just kind of helping students in any capacity in regards to transfer or reverse transfer. Is there some sort of preliminary form they can fill out before they come see you or that would make you reach out to them? Yeah, absolutely. On our, on our University Center webpage, we have a request for information form that the students can fill out. It asks them a few brief questions. We gather some information. Uh, we see what programs that they're interested in. And then I outreach to that student as well as connect them with a four-year that they're interested in. And then from there, we kind of help to build that transfer process, look at course equivalencies, when to apply, et cetera. Now, you mentioned the University Center, and I think sometimes that's the best kept secret on LCC's campus. So the University Center is a partnership between LCC and four universities, University of Michigan Flint, Central Michigan University, Northwood University, and Siena Heights University. And they all offer bachelor's and master's degree programs. And in not even so much that they have the classroom space, their services are available there. So you would be able to talk to advisors um, across the street one-on-one and get that one-on-one help from the people that have the expertise from those schools. Um, one of my questions for that would be, what are the advantages to going through one of those partners? Luke, could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think there's a few big ones. The first one you've you kind of already mentioned with the intimacy and the one-on-one attention that the students get if they pursue a program through the university center. Each school has a representative or multiple individuals there being an advocate for the, for the student and for the university. So they are that bridge between the university and the student at LCC or wherever they're coming from through the UC. So they get one-on-one help, whether that's financial aid, whether that's advising, they can sit down with someone right then and there, uh, and they get that one-on-one attention that you wouldn't necessarily get unless you actively uh, really, you know, my experience when I, was going through school. It was when I needed advising help, it was a lot of work. And for the students that I worked with at my previous institution here in the UC, the students could walk in, they could call, and it was one call, one email, one text, one door that they had to open and they were, they were sitting down with us. Another advantage is the cost savings. So students can transfer up to 92 credits from a lot of these, uh, or into a lot of these schools, which from a cost savings standpoint, you know, if you're transferring in three quarters of your uh, bachelor's degree from the community college at the community college price, you're reducing a huge cost uh, of that investment. So if you look at a bachelor's degree, which is 120 credits most times, um, and you transfer in 92 credits, you're only left with one year of tuition costs, which for most students is not really easily attainable. But when you cut off you know, three years and you take those at the community college, it's abs- it is way more attainable than, than you would think. Absolutely. Wow. That's a huge savings for students. And I think they don't always realize it because they didn't, you know, we don't tend to think about bachelor's degrees in terms of credits, 120 to roughly 130. Well, if you're taking 90 at the LCC tuition rate, that's, that's huge. That, that makes a bachelor's degree uh, a more doable, let's right, say. Right, right. Okay, now this show is built on the idea that we learn from one another's experiences. Can you please share a story of um, someone you helped or some experiences that you've had? Yeah, 
So previously I worked in admissions for a, a four-year school here in Lansing where I primarily spent time helping community college transfer and non-traditional students. What I learned you know, from working with these students and what was a very common theme throughout the majority of their pathways was that without their ability to transfer community college credits, a bachelor's degree just wasn't feasible. For most, it was the financial benefit of taking 60 to 90 credits that made getting their bachelor's degree uh, feasible. But for a good portion, it was also just the support and resources and also the ease of getting into college after high school through community college courses uh, that allowed for them to you know, continue on. More and more, I'm finding myself working with students who went right to a four-year school and found themselves struggling to adjust to that college life. Um, the community college has been their saving grace. So it, it's, you know, great to be in this realm and be working for a school who does nothing but support these students. So, you know, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make from my experience is that community college for most, if not for all students, is the best option, uh, whether it be easing, you know, your way into college, returning to college helping offset some of the, the costs to allow for, you know, more exploration at a lower tuition rate, to receive a more supportive, intimate education. You know, community colleges have so much to offer uh, to, to really any type of student. So, you know, that's kind of my two cents for my experience. And I hope that, you know, in the future that can help out some students. Agreed. I think we do end up with a lot of guest students from other, you know, colleges and universities that are here to take that math class or whatever class that's tough for them on the main campus or at the university, they can come to LCC and get that more intimate help. And so I think it's easier. And I think we have more students like that than we realize. So um, I appreciate you being here today and kind of demystifying some of the things that um, people question when they think about college and how to transfer credits and how to actually get that bachelor's degree. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience and your, your expertise. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Start Here, Finish Here, and Everything in Between at Lansing Community College. connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. Students may apply for scholarships November 1st through January 31st. Learn more at lcc.edu slash scholarships. My name is Joe Thompson. I'm 29 years old and I have a career that I love as a systems analyst. Career. It still sounds cool to say that word. I never could have gotten on this path without a college degree. And if the college me were here, he'd tell you. I never would have gotten to college without big brothers, big sisters. I could have ended up anywhere, on the streets even. But college? Joe Thompson? Not likely. My big brother helped me out. He taught me I could do anything. 
at a time when a lot of people were saying just the opposite. And to a seven-year-old, that means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil, and Phil is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child, and that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason public school students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. This is WLNZ. Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Vision. 